as you're passing the baskets, uh, Pastor John is um, away this week. He'll be back next week uh, to be with us. But today we get to, um, you know, any time that Dan and Connie Stewart are here, it is like a homecoming. I don't know if you know Dan, but uh, I don't know how you couldn't because he's been around. He's been our senior pastor. He's been an interim pastor. He's been, um, what else can you be? You've, you've been a guest speaker. You've been a teaching pastor. You've been everything here. You've probably been the janitor at some point and uh, fixing the roof. And I don't know what else you've done here, but you've done it all. So would you welcome Dan as he comes and opens the word with us this morning? Thank you, Dan. We love you. It's always great to come home to Simi Valley. So nice to, it's nice to be home. And I'm making a shameless plug. We only have six of them left, but I've written a book. I'm trying to retire. They're $500 a piece. If I sign it. If it's not signed, it's 10 bucks. So anyway, um, after the service, we'll have some at the kiosk. Uh, there are, they are on uh, Amazon and iBooks. But we only, I only brought, uh, the first service cleaned out what I brought, so we got about five or six copies left. But um, it's on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it only took me 30 years to write it, um, but it's about uh, discipleship and how the Sermon on the Mount can change your life. But uh, Connie and I are, are up, Connie wants me to give an update. Uh, we just sold, we had a condo and our home in Arrowhead, but we've moved to Arrowhead full-time, so uh, we're living up in the mountains. This is my last year teaching at Life Pacific, so I'm wrapping up 32 years of being a college professor, and uh, I'll still work part-time at Azusa Pacific and part-time at Life Pacific, but this is my last, my last hurrah. We just got back from Africa. It was my 43rd year in going, and it's my la- that was my last team leading. So I, I said, somebody younger is going to be able to do this. So we took 21 people, and we had 40 pieces of luggage. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, somebody else's time. But I got some pictures. I got some pictures for you. Um, these pictures, this is called Mama Gloria's School. And Mama Gloria is passing out hats that a lady, uh, a good friend of ours, made knit hats for all of her students. These are kids that can't afford to go to school, and they would not go to school unless she had her school. Uh, Last year, another church and us sponsored together, we bought her five acres of land, um, and that's bought and paid for, and a church in Pacifica, Four Square Church, is going to build her first buildings. Um, So that's her school right now. The one on the stilts, that's the one that they cook in, and the other one is uh, simply their school building. But these kids are so impoverished that um, they can't afford the minimum money to go to school. So she charges $6 every three months per child. Um, And they get a hot meal every day. Um, They have lesson plans. And so uh, Mama Gloria and her husband are Foursquare pastors of the second church that we built. So they're in church number two. And now um, she's uh, putting the school together. All right, next one. Every kid at our vacation Bible school got fed. 
And so they got, this was the crown that they got that day, and then they all get some rice and a little bit of meat. Um, you, you don't, you assume every kid has had a meal, they don't. Um, so to be able to feed them um, is uh, part of our vacation Bible school. So we did two vacation Bible schools in two different churches in two different villages. Our average attendance was around 350. Um, and how in the world these kids talk to, you know, but they communicate. And when there's food, they show up. All right, here's uh, me, and uh, that's the photo behind a vacation Bible school. Um, and they're holding up their, uh, one of their lesson plans. But that's church number six. And I wanted just to see their cement buildings. They've got nice uh, corrugated tin roofs. They have bathrooms. And uh, for about $30,000, we're being able to build them. And we dedicated church number five, church number six, and church number seven. So they're, they're dedicated. And um, uh, next one, it, they decided on each of the buildings uh, to put these signs. And the uh, church was opened by missionary Dan Stewart and his team on uh, 2013. That was church number one. And so we've been able to build seven churches. So, yeah, that's worth that. You know, I'm convinced of this. If everybody did something, we'd change the world. Amen. You know, you, you can't, I know I can't do everything. In fact, it's overwhelming when you see the need. It's overwhelming. But if you focus on what doing something amounts to, um, the stories that, that we have, um, again, we had to raise probably in the last seven years about $500,000. Um, this church, actually, a, a couple from this church paid for the second piece of property. I came back after the first building was done. I said, hey, we bought property for $2,500. Somebody out of this church came up and said, I, I want to buy property. And so they bought the next property. That happened continually till we had purchased all seven properties, plus the school. Uh, we've also put in five water wells in uh, Malawi and in Kenya. Our grandson, who passed away last year, um, we started a fund for his water well. We, it's in. It was dedicated. Uh, we got enough money this year from his celebrating his birthday and graduation from high school. We got enough money to build uh, water well number two, and uh, we're now raising money for water well number three. Those water wells service 40,000 people to give them fresh water. After those wells go in in Malawi, their uh, cholera, dysentery, everything disappears by just getting fresh water. 20 years later, those wells are still working. So um, it's best bang for the buck, $8,000. Put a water well in to give 40,000 people access to fresh water. Best, best bang for the buck. Um, like I said, can't do everything, but I can do something and can make a difference in people's lives. Um, it'll be the first year in 40-something years that we haven't had a corner in our garage that was called Africa Corner. And I would start piling stuff for the year of what we're going to take. And, and um, it's time. There's other pastors that are doing it, so it's awesome to be able to be part of that. And thank you, Antioch, for supporting Africa and supporting those things that have happened. I want to talk to you today about something that goes unnoticed sometimes. Something, it can be so slight, you don't even know what happened. It can be so minimal, but at the same time, it can change you. It's a touch. It's amazing, when I first started dating Connie, how much my hands could sweat. I didn't think hands could sweat like that, but they can. Just holding hands and it's water's running down, and you go, 
I have a problem. <laughs> when our kids were little, we had stuff called touch me not. They couldn't touch it. And my wife had this little statue. Um, it's like a Hallmark statue and a little boy and a little girl. Because we had just, at that time, we had a boy and a girl. And Connie loved that little statue. And Nicole, our daughter, wanted to touch that statue. She said, you can't touch it. Well, one day, we heard this chink. And she had gotten up on our mantle, got it off, and dropped it on our hearth, which was made out of brick. And the head broke off. <laughs> broke off. And so um, we actually, I glued it back. I was going to bring it today. We actually found it when we, were, we, we have moved. And so we, I, we, she got it out. And uh, I was going to bring it today to show you the glued-on head. But um, it, it, it's, it's like kids, when they're little, I had to go to Missouri every other year with my family. And we'd sit in the back car, and here's what you'd hear for about 1,000 miles. He's touching me. He's touching me. Come on, anybody relate to that? They're touching me. Yeah. And, you know, you're in a station wagon, no air conditioning. You know, we, you're bound to touch somebody. So um, the story today, the message today is just how valuable touch is. They say by psychologists you need about 10 touches a day just to stay, um, to stay emotionally healthy. And people who live by themselves, people who don't have, sometimes that, don't ever belittle the fact that people come to church and when somebody says, why don't you turn around and give somebody a hug or you know, shake their hand, that maybe that's the only touch they get all week. Of just somebody just being kind to say, let me, let me give you a hug. And not anything weird, but just the fact of, of touching somebody. And um, touch can bring you back when you're, you know, you're, you're daydreaming and, and somebody can come up and touch you and all of a sudden brings you back to reality. You come back and you go, oh, oh, okay. I should have been listening. But um, there's sometimes that we're going to find where people have touched God and, and had their lives change. And so insignificant, so small. It seemed like it, you know, and there, we had songs. Um, Catherine Kuhlman, who did her healing ministry, um, used to always sing the song when she came out on the platform. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And um, there was also a, a song that we used to sing, Open My Eyes, Lord, I want to see Jesus, to reach out and touch him. I will tell you that your life would change if you would sit in church and say, I'm not leaving till I touch God or he touches me. And sometimes we get in a hurry and we just are you know, pressing uh, so quickly into life that we don't, uh, we don't wait. Look at this verse. It says, people brought all their sick to him and begged him, begged him, let the sick just do what? Just touch. And we're, this is it, folks. That, just that. And it says that all who touched him were healed. I'd like to be a part of that. And there are times that you just say it would just be a touch. Isaiah um, 6, 7 says the same thing. It says that um, the coal, it says, he touched it with my mouth and said, this has touched your lips. It was Isaiah. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins atoned for. It just touched him. To 
to reach out and touch. All right, let's look at a couple of things about touch from the Bible. Number one is called the touch of death. The touch of death. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, first book, Old Testament, talks to us about um, the Garden of Eden and the conversation with a snake and with Eve. And this conversation is interesting of what the woman says to the serpent. The woman says to the serpent, we can eat free fruit from trees in the garden. But God, you know, he did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Wouldn't you think that'd be enough that God said, I want you eating the fruit from the garden. And he says, and you must not touch it or you will die. Hmm. Why did God have to say both of those things? It, it, can you imagine? They say, all right, you people, I don't want you touching anything in that tree anymore. Not only not eating it, don't even look at it. Because <laughs> sometimes when you can, you can touch something, it leads uh, to other things. My dad was an electrician, and let me tell you, electricity only takes a touch. <laughs> only touch. And um, then you know you're in trouble. Remember Uzziah, who was walking next to the Ark of the Covenant and during David taking the Ark back to Jerusalem. And they were carrying it all wrong. It was on a cart. It wasn't supposed to be on a cart. It was supposed to be on the priest's shoulders. But anyway, David put it on a cart and was taking it back. Uzzah reached up, and what did he do? Touch, he touched the Ark of the Covenant and dies instantly. That's the way to end a worship service for any church. Somebody just... <laughs> yeah. He touched it and died. The, the, the touch of death was evident and said, don't even look at it, don't even, don't even touch it. All right. There's also a touch of protection in the next book. Exodus chapter 12 talks about this next place of touch. Um, and it says in verse 13... It says, the blood will be a sign for you on your houses, where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will do what? Will touch you when I strike Egypt. It won't even touch you. It won't even, it won't even come near you. An amazing story when you look at just God's protection and why a little bit of blood would stop something so drastic as the death of your firstborn. It wouldn't even touch you. There's also a third touch. It's called the touch of blessing. The touch of blessing. And Luke chapter 18, verse 15. Look at this. People were bringing babies to Jesus to have him do what? Just touch them. Children were not old enough to receive a blessing, so it had to be imposed upon them. They weren't blessed as adults, if you will. And parents brought their kids to Jesus to have him bless them. How would you have liked to follow those kids' lives? after Jesus touched them. Whew, I bet there were some great stories. 
And, and you wonder that this touch of blessing, and, and it wasn't Jesus grabbing them and holding them. He just touched them, just did that. Um, and it's how this works. And um, whether it was a blind man who wanted to be touched or babies wanted to be touched, there's something about what Joshua told his, his, uh, the people of Israel. When Joshua was going to cross the River Jordan, he was at flood stage, Remember? And he, he told them, consecrate yourselves, and we're going to pray. And then he said, as soon as your feet touch the water, they'll part. And it said, let, let me read it. It says, as the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water, it stopped to its edges. Just a touch. It's one thing for us to be touched. It's another for us to touch God and to be able to do that. And we have to trust God in the midst of that. And that's why in the virtue of trust, in 1 John 1.1, it says, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes and we've looked at and our hands have what? Have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life that they could say, we actually touched him. He was real. He's not some mystical figure, but it's somebody that we could touch. And that's why when you go to a, a doctor, how many of you found it hard to get in touch with your doctor? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you need to get in touch with someone to change your life. And people who are completely out of touch. Um, the best watch made in the world in the 1930s was a Swiss watch. They employed more people than any other watchmaker in the world. But that company became so out of touch. By 1948, after World War II, somebody came up to them with a patent for something called a digital watch. You know what their response was to that? Nobody will want a cheap digital watch. They will buy the Swiss-made best of the best. Um, after about 10 more years, they laid off three-quarters of their company. They barely had enough to continue making, and somebody named Seiko took over the world market by making inexpensive watches. Somebody was out of touch with what was happening in their world. And so to get out of touch, we have to come to this place that what do you do when people are out of touch? What do you do when you've given up? What do you do when doctors say there's nothing else we can do? What do you do when people are tired of your story that goes on and on and on? What do you do? We need to touch him. We need to touch Jesus and have something changed in our lives. Um, I called it the war of the wart. Several years ago, on my middle finger, which is a horrible finger to have anything wrong with, and I had this white patchy thing that started growing on the end of my finger. And I go, what? It was ugly as all get out. And I didn't know what it was. It looked like leprosy. And I went to the doctor and said, it's a wart. Oh, at 45 years old, I have a wart growing on my finger. And so I go, well, get rid of it. And they said, well, freeze it. They froze it like an iceberg, and it went away, and it came back twice as big. It just, it didn't even phase it. I said, okay, get out the big guns this time. <laughs> went the big guns. They said, well, we'll laser it. He said, it's going to feel like something tomorrow. I said, laser it. 
lasered it, bandaged it, had to wear the bandage for like six weeks, took it off, grew back. And it was raising my fingernail. It was raising it up, and I thought, my whole finger's going to be a wart. <laughs> I, and <laughs> Have you ever had something and you really didn't pray that much about it because... What does God want with my warts? You know, I, I, there's people with cancer. There's people with stuff. I'm going to pray about the big stuff. But anyway, I was in my, I was going to have to go get it lasered again. And I was just out. And I was sitting in the bathroom, and the Lord said, why don't you, why don't you give it to me? Why don't you ask me to touch it? And I go, all right. <laughs> I mean, I was really, it was that kind of conversation. All right. Jesus, heal my wart. You can't even say it's serious. You know what I mean? Say, what are you praying for? My word. <laughs> a month later, every wart on my body, I had one in the bottom of my foot, I had one, gone. All of them gone. They just went away. And I go, man, if you let God touch you, it is such an amazing thing that God cares about cancer and he cares about warts. Um, it's just, are you willing to believe? Are you willing to trust him in it? And, and, and to touch him and let God do what he does, which is be God in the midst of things. And it changes us, changes us forever. Let's go to the second book of the New Testament, the book of Mark, and let's look at the story. Uh, what we have is a story within a story. Jesus has been asked by the Jews to go to a guy who has given a lot of money for synagogues. His daughter is dying. Would you come? He said, Master, would you come and visit her? He said, yeah, I will. So they're on their way to um, see this girl who will eventually die, and Jesus will resurrect her. But that's the bigger picture. But inside of it, is another story. And let's look at this story. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. So we got hundreds of people. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. To even imagine bleeding for a week is one thing. Bleed for 12 years. That's a lot of bleeding. And that's a lot of uncleanliness. And so remember, if you're bleeding, you are unclean. That's why there had to be separation. Um, in fact, men could not sit wherever a woman was having her menstruation cycle because it's unclean. So you can't sit. Great book. It's called Being a Jew for a Year. And there was a guy, a New York writer, comedian, and he decided he was going to be Jewish for a year. So he let his hair grow, and he used olive oil. That's all he washed his hair with, because that's all they used. They used it like a soap, but also made it shiny. So he was shiny, stringy um, hair for a year. And he also, he wore a toga, and he carried little rocks in his pocket. And he said anybody who talked about having an affair or was blaspheming, he'd, he'd flick rocks at him Because he said, you're supposed to stone them. But he said, ah, I didn't think that'd go over well. <laughs> So he just, he said he flicked rocks at people. I thought, <laughs> it's a hilarious book. It's funny. It shows all these different pictures. Well, his wife got mad at him 
one time. And halfway through this thing, she sat in every chair and laid in every bed in the house when she was menstruating so he couldn't sit anywhere in the house. So 12 years, folks. 12 years. It said she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago what they gave for quackery to heal things? In the 1950s, people, they wrote prescriptions to smoke cigarettes. No kidding. They gave them to people so that they would smoke and calm their nerves. Brilliant. And so you can imagine 2,000 years ago, eat this, take this, do this. And it said she spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 12 years. 12 years of being unclean. We don't know her name. We don't know if she's married. We don't know the circumstances. Just simply, this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. And it's part of the story. The girl that Jesus is going to heal is 12 years old. So it shows us this correlation between time, but a little girl, and an older woman. And it says that when she heard about Jesus, we don't know what she heard, but we know it was enough, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Now, I'll have Connie come up because she's such... A wonderful uh, prop. A what? What? You're a prop. A prop. <laughs> I didn't cuss at you. I'm, I didn't call you anything. Now, if she was, if she, if I'm behind her and I touch this, the hem of her, her this whatever, this top, she wouldn't even know I touched her. She wouldn't have any idea that if I came up behind and just did that. Now, notice that she didn't go. I got him. I got him. Now, you would think faith has to be a headlock, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Connie. What a great job you did. But see, if I... She came up behind him, and she just simply did this. That's it. Just that. She didn't grab him. She didn't yell at him. She didn't hold on to him. She just did that. And remember, she's unclean. If she touched Jesus and was unclean, it makes him unclean. Here's what happens, though. The second she touches him, she's healed. So she's not unclean. That fast, just like that. And that's why uh, Mark uses the word 62 times immediately. He loves immediately. Immediately, it was daytime. Immediately, we crossed the lake. Immediately, everything's... Immediate. And it says, immediately, her bleeding stopped. She, it, she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. So she is now not unclean. At once, Jesus realized power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Hey, who touched me? Who touched my clothes? Now, what do you do? There's 300 people pressing around. Everybody's pushing against you. Who touched me? Now, who's going to answer that? 
says, you see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. When the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. And the reason it's trembling with fear is because she was unclean at the time. She told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be freed from your suffering. Wow. She spent everything she had, and she was without hope. But let's notice something, her courage. Look at her courage. It says she just heard about Jesus, that's all. Heard about him. Now, we don't really know everything that she heard. Of, but did she hear he healed? Did she hear that he was the son of God? Did she hear that he was simply a prophet? Was he a, a teacher? We, whatever she heard, it was enough. And that, in that moment in her, her courage arised and said, you know what? I'm not leaving till I touch him. I'm not leaving till I get to him. The touch that God felt came through faith. She said this, if I can just touch his clothes, if I can just touch his clothes. Now, what she did say is this, I'm not leaving till I touch him. I have to be honest, sometimes we come to church and we mark off the time, we got to have this, we got to be out by this time, we got parking, we got this, and we, we don't take the time that we might need to actually touch him. Maybe you need to stay. Maybe you need to go to two services. You think, is it worth it? When there's nothing else, what are you going to do? You ever had things stop you from getting to church? I had three things. They were children. <laughs> oh, man. They can, on Sunday mornings, it can be a disaster. Trying to get to church, trying to get him packed up. Connie left our son. He was like five. Not that he was about 10 anyway. She left him. She got so mad at him. He was doing something he wasn't supposed to do, and she just left him. <laughs> and I, I tell you, every time you want to try to get to Jesus, there will be things that will stop that from happening. Things that will arise, jobs, people, bosses, whatever. I mean, think about her. She's bleeding, so she's unclean. How would you like it when every time you went outdoors, you had to yell, I'm unclean? Unclean! Unclean, coming through. Because nobody could touch you because you were bleeding, so you're unclean, so you have to announce, I'm unclean. I often thought Christians should be that way. We just tell people, I'm unclean. Don't come near me. You'll get what I've got. How would you like to spend 12 years doing it? How would you like to spend three months without somebody touching you? How would you like to do it for a year? Nobody can touch you. Two years, three years, four years, 12 years of isolation. Nobody touching her. Nobody, it doesn't say if she's married, then that, that would have been the end of the marriage. And what would you do? How would you even come about with this? And, and emotionally, physically, you're, you're ostracized. And it says she does this. 
that. She touches him, and instantly, she said, I'm freed. I know I am. She knew it, and he knew it. She touched God and lived. And she didn't blend in to the crowd. I want you to notice something there. How many people are in that crowd? Yeah. Peter's there. Thomas, Judas, Matthew, John. They're there. But she said, I'm not leaving till I can touch, the, touch his clothes, that I can touch God. And, you know, the, the simple confession that she has is that Jesus said this, who touched my clothes? Who, who touched me? This crowd was going to Jairus' daughter. That's where they were headed. And it was moving along with Jesus in this. I want you to see two things here that you shouldn't miss. Where was Jesus going? To Jairus' house. What was his mission? Jairus' daughter. They've asked him to go. That's the big picture. That's the big plan. That's where he's headed. But in the midst of that, some unnamed woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years, who was a nobody, touches Jesus' garment and is instantly healed. Here's the deal. Never does God have a big picture that doesn't include you. Because sometimes we think, oh, God's caring for the Middle East, and he's caring for the world, and he's working in North Korea, and he's doing all these things. How would he have a minute for me? He does. He does. You're part of that picture, which is awesome. Number two, when Jesus asked, who touched me? Everybody goes, now, if your parents came home and your dad said, who's been out in the backyard? Would you an answer that question? I haven't been out there in a year. <laughs> you would say, no, I don't know. And the disciples, their answer is the same thing. Hey, who touched me? Pfft, wasn't us. We didn't do it. And so it's almost like somebody, something was wrong. And Jesus goes, no, somebody touched me because I felt something happen. Out of all the people who were with Jesus that day, I'm talking Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the disciples that were there with him that day, Judas included, how many people walked away different that day? You can rub shoulders with the Almighty all day long and go away unchanged. Only one woman who believed in faith, who reached out to touch the hem of his garment, went away changed. You can come to church for months and go away unchanged. You could come for years and go away unchanged. It's only when you come in faith and you'll say, I need to touch him, and I'm not leaving until I do. That there's something about faith that arises, and it's not faith that you have to tackle Jesus. It's this. It's a just that. It's more than a crowd of onlookers. But there was a single woman who had faith. Everybody else walked away the same. But not her. Thank God. Luke chapter 7. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is, 
She's a sinner. This woman came and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. Broke a year's wage of alabaster oil and poured it on him. Indicating his future crucifixion. But all people thought was, didn't he know who's touching him? And don't you feel that way sometimes that we're the unclean ones and we're asking to have Jesus be present with us? To touch God. No faith will change us. It happens by faith. Okay, a couple of things. Number one, faith's touch unlocks God's power. Faith's touch unlocks God's power. When you touch God in faith, something happens. It changes it, it changes the dynamic. It changes who we are. Um, it's just something about it. I have so many stories I could tell about um, having to raise funds that I didn't even ask for. I didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a GoFundMe page. I didn't have anything on Instagram. I just told people, hey, if you want to give, give. And people did. Um, church number seven, which is the recent one that we built, I didn't have any funds for that. And I thought, well, we're not going to build the last church because I, 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 I was out of money. And um, a lady came up to me and gave a $10,000 check. She said, I'm going to believe somebody's going to match this funds for this $30,000 building. I was at Florence Avenue Foursquare Church last year, about August, September, and I was speaking. And I just mentioned Kenya, and I mentioned our seventh church, and that was about it. And this little lady came up, and an elderly woman, and she says, um, Jesus talked to me about a project. And that sounds like a good project. How much do you need? I said, $20,000. Let me write the check. <laughs> Wrote check, handed it to me. She said, this is for the project. You know, people, those are the kinds of things that you can't buy it. You can't make it up. You just, in faith, just trust God that he'll do what he said he'll do. And I could tell a hundred more of those stories of, of how God meets a, a, a need. Faith touch unlocks God's power. And that's why um, I, I found out that if you're going to go swimming and it's during a lightning storm, don't get in the water. You want to have a touch that'll keep you going. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I will tell you this. Put yourself where God will be. If you need Jesus to touch you, put yourself where God will be. At this table, taking communion, he promises he'll be with us. When we gather together, he promises he will be with us. When you read his word, you pray, he promises that he'll meet you there. So put yourself to where you know where he will be. Hey, God might be there. And remember that the 99 who were saved were important. But the parable said he left the 99 to go look for the one. Jesus still does that. Number two, faith's touch receives God's promises. It receives his promises. There's over 3,000 promises in the Bible. How many do you know? How many do you know? And I will tell you this. You cannot ask what you don't know. Anybody who does this, I claim all the promises. Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. You can only claim what you know. How many do you know? 
There's 3,000 of them. We know that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. That's a great promise. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. There's two. Two. So how many do you actually know? But see, you got to know what he says he'll do in order to claim what he says he'll do. And that's why you have to know and put yourself where those promises are. Know what they are. What are you, what are you asking God to do? And that's why God can do far more than you could ask or think. Because we don't know all of those promises. We just don't. Three, faith taught, touch secures a position. And by the way, I have, I was going to bring it and I left it. Um, I have a scroll that somebody made for me about two years ago that has all the promises from the Bible on it. And I can roll it out. It will go from here to that door and back up here, single-spaced. And it has every promise in the Bible written on it. So it gives me something to study. <laughs> Woo! Faith's touch secures a new position. Notice what Jesus calls her. He doesn't say to her, which he uses often, woman, your sins are forgiven. He says to her a different word and a different ideal. He says, daughter. 20 years, I mean 12 years of being unclean and nobody touching you, he calls her an endearing term of family. Daughter, your sins are forgiven. And he says this, go in peace. If there's any identifier of the presence of Jesus, it's peace. Whenever the disciples were worried and scared and he walks on water to them, what's the first thing he says? Be at, be at peace. Don't be afraid. And so we, we come to this, this place in the scripture where he says to her daughter, he gave her not only healing, but a new identity. And he gave her peace. Physical, be freed from your suffering. Spiritual, live in now the peace of God. And boy, there's a lot of people that need that. The words of Jesus are true today. And for, for Connie and I, we can we, we'll honestly say, God has given us quite a ride. And um, we're grateful for everything that Antioch and Sunrise and New Hope and <laughs> has given to us and that we've been privileged to be a part of that process. And there have been times that we needed Jesus to touch us. Bad did we need it. And he did. And he did. And that's why... Um, there was a guy, his first name was Doubting. Would you like to have that in the Bible your name? Doubting Thomas. Well, it says that Jesus had appeared to the disciples and, and he wasn't there when it happened. So he goes, he's not alive, he's dead, you bunch of morons. And he didn't believe any of it, did he? He didn't buy it, he was, ah, it's over with. Well, they all showed up together one more time, and Jesus came into the midst, and all of a sudden, Thomas was, and he addresses Thomas. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Thomas only had one word, but here's what Jesus told him first. He goes, touch me. That's what he told him. Touch me. He said, here's my hands. Here's my side. 
Touch me. And all he responds with is, my Lord, my God. It's just that. Sometimes in our lives, folks, we still need to touch Jesus. And that's all he asks us to do. Touch him and believe. That's all it takes. That's right here. That's right there. Jesus, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for always, always showing yourself to us. And Lord, I, let no one beat themselves up that they don't think they have enough faith. It's, it's a touch. That's it. A touch. You don't have to tackle him or hold him or, or run after him. You just touch him. And watch your life change. Lord, your promise is that you never change and you're always faithful. But we want to be reminded that we could stand with the Almighty and rub shoulders all day long and go away the same. But a no-name woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, who spent everything she had, just touched his garment and went away whole. God, we need that. I want to be that person. I want to be the one who doesn't go away unchanged. So Lord, when we, we come to church and it's a wonderful worship and being in your presence and taking communion, nobody should go away the same after that. But we do. And Lord, for those who've exhausted all their resources, they've exhausted their time, they've exhausted all there is, then we just want to touch you. Just want to touch you. And Lord, I just pray that for any that know you as Savior and they just need you again to refresh them, let it be so. Lord, even as we lift our hands, there's times that we're just saying, we want to touch you, Lord. We want you to touch us. But if anyone might be here that doesn't know you as Savior, that's where the beginning comes. And the great promise, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Call on his name and you'll be saved. That's the promise we stand on. It's the promise that gives us faith. So Lord, let no one leave this building today doesn't make that commitment to you. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to touch Antioch Church. Continue, Lord, to bring your hand. And that we know that no matter how big the plan is in the world, there's still time for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Okay. Can we thank Dan once again.